this concept of micro-optimization. If you have a job in a corporate world, you will have like one-tenth of one process and your goal is just optimize that for the next couple of years. And if you do, because company's big, that could be millions of dollars. And that's what happens when people start companies. The first thing they do go, okay, I start a website. You know, I have 100 people come to my website. Two people pay. I need to make that three people, four people. I need to work in that bottom of the funnel every single time. My answer is, yes, it sounds nice, but it's such a small amount. Figure out how to improve the top first. Yep. Get a million people come to your website because that matters more in the early days because it just doesn't matter, right? Because V2 focus on the micro-optimization earlier in the funnel, it simply doesn't do anything. And you'll die by the time you figure out how to improve that funnel and you won't get the more people coming in. Well, I'm excited to welcome into the show, Dan Zeverotny. How are we doing, brother? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Super excited. Yeah, man. I mean, any anytime you you get to connect with somebody that has an epic journey, immediately I just want to start asking all kinds of amazing questions. Not only your journey from you know Ukraine to the U.S., but your you know successful journey of building a hundred million dollar you know startup company. Um, so why don't we? back up a little bit. And for those that don't know who you are and kind of your entrepreneurial journey, I know we'll unpack what you've been building over the last few years and how amazing that has you know, turned out to be. But where did this all start for you, man? Sure. I mean, so I was born in Ukraine and I moved to the US when I was a little kid. And you know, we had the poor immigrant story where we got to the US, I think it was something like it was my parents my uncle, his family, my grandparents, me and my sister. At one point, it was like 12 people, one-bedroom apartment. Oof. You know, and that slowly became a two-bedroom apartment. And then we moved up in life and became a three-bedroom apartment. Then a townhome. Slowly, we had a house. Uh, and over time, moved to a middle class. But what I really enjoy about that experience is you realize, even at the worst of it, it was not that bad. And I think that was the thing that made me realize that as long as you build skills that are valuable, that are high-value skills then you are able to not have a fear of failure. And this is the thing about startups. Everyone's always afraid, like, what if I fail? What if it doesn't work out? What, what do I do next? And that's what nobody ever takes to move, is a step forward. But once you've been kind of at the bottom, you realize it's not that bad, mm. right? And it really changed that click in your mindset. I mean, I'm in Brazil right now, working remotely, and I walk around and I see what really globally poor looks like. You know, people don't have shoes. They live in no rooftops. And you realize like, that's poor. And like our poor in America is nothing compared to this. And so you start realizing like life is not that bad, no matter what it is. These are just perceived, invented mindset that we have of just like failure. Oh my God, what will people think of me? And then you realize it doesn't matter. And so uh, the goal here, what I realized early on is you have to learn how to learn very quickly, really effectively. That's number one. And then once you learn that skills, that skill, it's learn, use that to learn skills that are valuable. So you always have a backup plan. So as I started my career journey, um, I went into first in finance, corporate finance. Uh, then I went into healthcare consulting. And my job was basically optimize profitability for hospitals, insurance companies, medical device manufacturers. Um, and what it really taught me is how to very quickly and effectively understand a business, right? Something that takes people a decade to understand, I could figure out in two, three months. And then how to optimize that business from a revenue and a cost perspective. Uh, and it's a skill that, interestingly enough, it's not a hard skill where it's like, hey, I'm writing code or I'm designing a new landing page. It's a skill that it's purely intuitive over time. Uh, but once you develop it, it becomes very high worth. And so as I had this opportunity to develop the skill set, uh, I realized that I was actually doing that much 
great goodness for the world. You know, I mean, optimizing, uh, you know, hospital profitability. If you think about it, what, how do they do it? Cut costs, drive revenue. Mm-hmm. How do you squeeze as much cash as you can from every single patient? Like the inverse of actually providing health outcomes. Yeah. And so I was finally at a point where, you know, I'm like, my parents are like, you've made it. Everyone's like, wow, you are the, you know, the joy of the family. You've made the American dream that I always hear about. And I kind of feel like shit about it, to be honest with you. Mm. <laughs> uh, but I had these skills that are translatable. And I said, you know what? Let me go pursue something where I actually can also feel good about it. And I was thinking about different areas of field that I wanted to do. And I was exploring, you know, around human potential, uh, around just corporate health, uh, corporate health in general, also human resources. And I happened to be at a healthcare conference in Silicon Valley. And I ran into one of my friends from childhood and he was wearing a device called Confused Glucose Monitor. And he said, hey, do you know anything about it? And I have said, yes, I do. You know, I just happen to be like one of the experts in this topic because my background, as well as my sister, was a type 1 diabetic. So she's been wearing this device for over a decade. So I saw the hardware improving as well. And he said, hey, I'm thinking about starting this company. Are you interested? And I said, you know, what better time than now? And I just jumped. You know, I just quit my job two weeks later. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers customers, leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this Deep Sales, and LinkedIn has built the first Deep Sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast that's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial let linkedin sales navigator help you sell like a superstar today just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started and again the same thing it's the immigrant mentality like why did you do this like it's a risk why would you but it's just finally made it. My parents were like, are you insane? But to me, it was, I have these high skills now, high network skills. While simultaneously, what's the worst that happens? I go get another high paying job if it doesn't work out, right? Um, and so I started this and the first thing he said, okay. And he's had a couple exits before this. He said, okay, the only thing, two things that matter are sell and build. Which one do you want to do? And I said, well, I know how to build financial models and strategy. And he said, no, no, build software or sell the stuff. And I said, well, I don't know how to do either one of those. And his question is like, so what the hell are you going to do here? Right? <laughs> and I said, okay, well, that's interesting. He's like, well, do you want to learn how to write software? I'm like, uh, I don't know if I can learn fast enough. He's like, all right, then go sell. And I was like, okay, how do we sell? He's like, on the internet. I'm like, what do you mean on the internet? At this point, I have no idea how to run a Facebook ad, Google ad, nothing. And he said, well, okay, you should think about this because I don't know if we need you here. So then I go Google how to sell on the internet. And I go, I find hundreds of strategies. I download them, the big Excel file, put them on the Excel tab. And I go, okay, 
I found all these strategies. I'm going to go. What's our budget? And he goes, zero. <laughs> and so that, luckily, interestingly enough, that helped me eliminate like 90% of strategies I could do. <laughs> yep. Like 2%. And so I'm like, all right, well, this is going to be, you know, less choices. You know, there's a paradox of choice. Too many choices make you not know how to move. Now, when you only have like six choices left in total, you now just can just try all of them. Uh, and two ones I tried right away were Facebook groups uh, and Instagram influencers. And I just sat there and started reaching out hundreds of influencers, joining hundreds of Facebook groups and just trying to convince people to buy something that has not yet been built, by the way. <laughs> right? Uh, all we had is a landing page that said, give credit card here. Right? And I'm like adding people on Facebook group, chatting with Facebook group, then adding them in there and chatting, asking questions, what do they want, things like that. And within two weeks, I convinced like 13, 14 people on the internet that I've never met to put their credit card down. Uh, and then we got some revenue. I think we got some like seven or $8,000 in revenue that first uh, two weeks. And then I came back and I was all happy. And my friend goes, great. But if we want to be a high growth company, you need to do it again, the more. Uh, so I had to do it again. And then he actually now, we finally released the product um, that people prepaid for. And we actually used that prepaid cash to actually start hiring people to help us a little bit, you know, to actually run the operations of the business. So next month, I got like 13000 14000 Next month, I got like 30000 And every month, it was more and more and more. Um, and every time I would get pretty good at it, I would just try to optimize the funnel or how I do the marketing. I would say, okay, great. We got influencers. Great. Let me hire someone, teach them, make, it, make sure they're better than me. Now let's go to ads, Facebook ads. I would do that, get pretty good at it, and hire someone at least three times better than me. And then for that person next, I'll go to Google ads, then Twitter ads, then content strategy. And I'll just go one at a time like this. And now we have something like a 25-person marketing team. And I do zero marketing now. You know, Now I do something completely different. I'm doing learning about HR and finance and accounting and audience all over the place. But really, that's been kind of the ambition. Get in there, learn as quickly as humanly possible, and then hire someone three times better than you. Step away. How are you measuring whether or not somebody's got that 3x skill set sure. beyond you. Yeah. Well, so before I even answer that, it's, it's interesting. I was amazed how many people would do a job for 10, 20 years, and yet they would know it worse than me after I did it for a month. Mm. I was mind blown away by that. And you realize that majority of people in the world, they're not passionate about things. They look at jobs as just like, I go do this and I do it. And I do just get paid. And I want to do... Their ambition really is to do... How do I do as little work as humanly possible well, I'll get paid as much as possible. That is like 95% people's ambition, right? And based on that, um, I had a mindset of, okay, well, how do I get good enough so I can even measure, right? If I just interview someone on something I've never done before, I don't understand. So first, I would have to go learn it. So what, the way I would learn that is three steps, really. Step one is I would invest some kind of small amount of money, say Facebook ads. I want to learn Facebook ads. I will go sign up Facebook ads and say, I'm going to spend $500. No one's going to bring zero value outside of learning. And I would go and break that thing. When I say break, I'm going to click on every button. I'm going to just try to understand every single thing I could possibly do. And any button I don't understand, like I'm going to go find out. And I'm going to call the reps 30, 40 times to Facebook. And to the point where it's like every time I would go on this platform, I'll spend like 50 hours just for $500. And I would have like dozens of questions on pages of questions for them, right? Um, and number two is also just get obsessed with like every podcast on a topic. And very niche podcast, every YouTube tutorial, every single thing you go as deep as possible. And the third one is, this is the most crucial one, is finding a mentor one to two years in that field ahead of you. They have to be one to two years ahead of you. 
if you go six months, it's not far enough. If you go 20 years, you know, you have these people who are like running multi-billionaire companies. They're so far ahead, they don't remember. Or like the scars are not there anymore, you know, or they're running a team or like the world has changed. I mean, you see TikTok not blowing up, you know, three years ago, nobody knew TikTok was, right? Um, and so having that combination is very effective. And I will tell you, you'd be amazed how many people you can get to and who will actually willingly help you as long as when you come in and you actually ask good questions, right? So it's yeah. not like, hey, what's a Facebook ad? Like, that's ridiculous. You can Google that. Or how do you run an account? But actually like, hey, I ran this ad and I combined it with this white listing and this is the result. I'm thinking this happened. What do you think? You know? And when that happens, people really get excited about helping you because they'll say, sometimes they'll be like, well, I've never seen that problem, right? And successful people just love problem solving. That's all it really is. Business is just like solve one problem at a time over and over and over. And the heart of the problem is it's exciting, right? And I've seen this over and over, by the way, where smart, successful people, they run toward problems. Even my company, when I see people, when they see like, oh, somebody's going to sue us or someone's going to file something, smartest people are like, hey, can I do that? Can I do that? I'm like, why? And they say, well, I've never done that. I want to experience this one, right? And so same thing with reach out to folks are super impressive on resume uh, or accomplished life. They're excited about helping other people. They want new problems. They want new challenges. Sometimes they've already cashed out and they've retired. And now they're kind of bored in there. You know, maybe they don't want to go to the grind or start another company because they're like, they know that, you know, sweat and tears you have there. But they still want challenges. They want to talk about it, right? And so this is a good way to get them intrigued. Um, but using those three steps of really just breaking the system, like actually breaking it. No one and no one you're gonna fail at it. That's the key part here. People are afraid to break it because they're like they're afraid of the feeling, right? Um, I almost psych myself up knowing like, hey, when I go do this thing, it's not just I'm gonna fail, but I already I go through the conscious decision of like, I'm gonna feel anxiety, my heart rate's gonna go up, my pupils are gonna dilate, I'm gonna be nervous. And that you thinking about those steps that are gonna happen makes you anticipate it, makes you more comfortable with it. Because people always say, like, accept failure. But just you saying, I accept failure, the words themselves are not what's driving the fear. It's the body feelings and, the, you know, the way our blood pressure goes up when we're failing and, you know, you feel stressed and, you know, you can almost tense and angry, you know. Playing nose in your mind and getting in that, like, almost physical situation early ahead of time makes you more comfortable with it. Yeah. Uh, and then the second two, as I mentioned, is just like to actually learning and absorb as much knowledge as possible. And the third one is getting the mentors. So uh, those help you. To, I want to break down for those that, you know, are entrepreneurs or business owners and, and understanding a little bit more about some of the, you know, breadcrumbs of success and failures in your journey. Yep. I mean, going yep. from you know, zero to 100 million valuation in a very short period of time going from zero to 100 and what, 70 employees in a very short period of time. Yeah, 170 now, 170, yeah. yeah. So talk a little bit about the early stages of yep. startup mode and some of the things that you guys did wrong and some of the things that you guys did right that you would share with individuals that are early in their entrepreneurial or business journey. Yeah, I mean, the things we did wrong is... Um, I think you're, you're too early on. One of the things that you start focusing on is like what the world thinks. People say there's a new competitor coming to place, or hey, what does someone else think about your business? Investors, right, or customers, and it's really thinking about this. No matter what business you're starting, especially in the U.S., there are what 350 million people. 
there's this uh, joke in entrepreneurial world that there's always a million people for something, right? For almost any product. And so in the end, when you're so tiny, none of it really matters. What I mean by that is that it doesn't matter what your competitors are doing. They can get the most famous, they get Brad Pitt of the world on their team. It doesn't matter. You should be focusing specifically on like, how do I do one next thing? Ignoring all the noise outside. Because I mean, to this day, every single person said, well, there's all these competitors, all these competitors. How are they doing it? I mean, you know, if we have $10,000 in revenue, they have $30,000 in revenue. Does it really matter? You know, we have a multi-trillion dollar economy in the US and like it simply doesn't matter. Yet those are things people focus on, right? Uh, and it took me a very long time to realize it simply doesn't matter because you guys are all so small and, and it just, it's just unimportant. And interestingly enough, when as we started all getting bigger, Whenever our competitors got some press release, we got extra traffic and revenue. Whenever we did well, they got it too, because it was many ways when you create a new industry, you're not actually competing as much with each other as much as with the old industry, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you see this with like Blue Apron, a home chef, these other companies that did like home delivery food and stuff like that and cooking at home. They did the same thing. I used to think they were competing with each other all the time early days. They said, no, we're competing with the old school. Like, are you going to go to the grocery store and shop or are you going to let us deliver to you? So it's that change in mindset. So I think one is the ability to ignore the outside noise early on. As you get big, big corporation, yes, it matters. But right now, it doesn't. That's number one. Number two is this concept of micro-optimization. If you have a job in a corporate world, you will have like one-tenth of one process. And your goal is just optimize that for the next couple of years. And if you do, because company's big, that could be millions of dollars. And that's what happens. People start companies. The first thing they do, go, okay, I start a website. You know, I have 100 people come to my website, two people pay. I need to make that three people, four people. I need to work in that bottom of the funnel every single time. And my answer is, yes, it sounds nice, but it's such a small amount. Figure out how to improve the top first. Yep. Get a million people come to your website. Because that matters more in the early days. Because like, it just doesn't matter, right? Because if you too focus on the micro-optimization earlier in the funnel, it simply doesn't do anything, right? And you'll die by the time you figure out how to improve that funnel. And you won't get the more people coming in. So... It's ignoring the micro-optimizations earlier on. I see this over and over and over. And ever somebody starts immediately, they go, I'm going to improve this little process. I said, no, don't do it. It's 70% good enough. Don't worry about it. We need to do things that are improving revenue and improving exposure and brand right away, not these little micro things. Then corporations, that's what we're taught, right? We're yeah. all little cogs. And then just little thing, what do I do to make it better? And that's what you get paid for. You get paid for making little things back better and bigger. It's great, great. I think reminder for a lot of people, right? Because they get stuck in the weeds on the little things when really if they were to focus their energy and attention where the multiple of value that's captured on that larger stuff, they really neglect a lot of that thinking that the smaller stuff needs to get fixed. And that's really... That's the thing. But we're taught this, right? We're taught and we're ingrained in this from university for our jobs. It's all like, be the best this one little thing. And so how do you remove that mindset, right? And I think that mindset's only removed by... Almost getting kicked in the ass, really, right? It's like yeah. revenue's not there, company dead. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you get it going? So and talking about that, right? Because you know, for business owners, we know that revenue is the ultimate right piece of success in any company. Yep. And you live and die in your revenue. You've been talking a lot about marketing and yep. you know how you got more brand recognition, how you aligned with certain partnerships. I mean, scaling the way you guys scaled so quickly, there's obviously some strategic approach you guys took for spotlighting marketing and really getting it going. So obviously, you kicked it off with no marketing budget. 
But as you started to get some momentum, and maybe for others that are starting with a very tight and hamstrung budget, what did kind of that gradual progress look like? And when did you guys really go, we got our funnel dialed in, we know our conversion and our KPIs on our marketing, we're turning this baby up? Yeah. So even before you start turning baby up, you have to ask yourself, you have to be, this is where self-awareness is so critical. A lot of people think like, oh, I'm a marketer. I'm great at this. But the question is like, are you actually great? Are you one of the best? Right? And I see people all the time when they start a company, they'll get a like co-founder, right? What will happen is people will get a copy of themselves. Let's say they're an engineer, they'll get another engineer to start a company with. If they get their consultant, they get another consultant. If they're a marketer, they get another marketer. So number one is you have to get people who are completely opposite skills of you, which is almost at odds because you hang out people just like you. Right. And so you need to get someone completely different. So we talked about like earlier in days, we said, okay, first it's revenue, sales, and building. And then the first, then right afterwards, we got those two. We start, and we need someone to maintain revenue. So it's create revenue, maintain revenue, build product. So we had this triangle, right? Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast. And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's my first. 50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. And so that's the first question is like, where do people actually fall into? Right. And that that requires a very tough conversation, right? It could even be requiring talk to external folks and be like, how do you value me as an individual on this skill set? Right. Because if you don't have a skill set, you have to build it very quickly. You have to bring someone else who can. And those are very tough conversations because we all think naturally that we're the best at everything. I think last time I read that as a nation, we're the 17th smartest people. Yeah, we're the most confident about our skill set. Number one, right? <laughs> right? I think Finland was like number one or something about actual skill sets. And so how do you have that conversation with yourself? That's number one. Once you do, let's say you are the right person. First, you start off and you got to actually, you have to only pick one channel that you think is going to work. And you have to just double down and grow, grow, grow and to become better than everyone else. You have to stand out from the crowd there. And this is almost at odds when you get bigger because as you get bigger and bigger, you have to diversify away from one channel and go as many channels as possible because you don't mm-hmm. want to be reliant on one. However, when early days, you have to pick one. And the reason for this is that it 
you have so much catching up to do to brands that exist and penetrate through that if you start off right away in many channels, you'll just never get good enough. Yeah. You know, I think what is that? There's that famous uh, line that no one ever gets mad from buying um, from, what is it, uh, IBM? No one gets fired from buying from IBM. Meaning, like, no matter if IBM does a terrible job, it doesn't matter because everyone trusts them, right? It's the brand's famous. And here, you got to remember when you're starting a company, people don't even know who you are. Nobody even trusts, like, are you not going to steal their credit card? You're overcoming these high level uh, burdens of simple, like, are you a real person? Will you send me your product? You know, you're a person on the internet. I've never met you. So you have to really build this brand. And it starts with just one channel, one little niche audience. Uh, in this situation, I have literally Facebook group and Instagram influence one at a time, just messaging people, right? Um, and then once you start getting that flow going a little bit, then you could start thinking about, okay, how do we do a second channel now? Right? Uh, and we saw this. When we started with Facebook groups and Instagram influencers, then it expanded to Facebook paid then Google paid, then Twitter paid. And now content, for example, our SEO is something like 30, 40% of our revenue. Right. right? And so that's number one. It's the, but number two is also about what are the things that drive revenue right away versus long-term? You know, if I convince an Instagram influencer post and then I get revenue right away, that's great. Uh, versus if somebody sees a Facebook ad, it usually takes a little bit longer to convert. So you think about the time to get revenue for the money you spend. Um, but the problem with those things is the moment you turn them off, they're done. Like you don't keep getting revenue from Facebook versus things like constant strategy around search engine optimization. You know, you could spend, it takes like a year and a half to spend money over and over writing content over and over. However, it doesn't really hit for you for a year and a half, but the nice thing about once it hits, you haven't, you own it forever. Right. So I always look at it as one, how quickly you can get your revenue. Uh, number two, do you own the audience or not for long term? Yeah. And then number three specifically is like how much does it cost? Right. And I use those kind of frameworks, all three, to determine. And essentially, you could turn a lot of channels from uh, from cash. For example, when we started with influencers, we were first paying them only on conversions. We were saving money in that regard. But it was much slower because you have to convince out of 100 people, two will work for you. When you pay people up front, Everyone's going to work with you, right? Uh, the trade-off is that it takes you know more time when you do pay for conversion, but you're you're reducing your risk upfront. They'll do right away, but a lot of these things aren't going to work out. Yeah. So it's really playing with this cash flow balance. And the idea here is that over time, as you have more and more cash, you're willing to take those bets more, and you're willing to scale more and assume certain again certain risk of failure, knowing that 20, 30 percent of these campaigns are going to go down the toilet, money wasted. But without trying, can't. Uh, no, in the early days, you can't. Every single one has to work. Yeah. So, talk a little bit about that. Were you guys, you know, as you were building the company early on, were you guys building to hit a certain valuation? Therefore, your strategies and, you know, actions were, you know, aligned with, hey, sure. we want to get here to get that yep. valuation? Or was yep. it, hey, we need to be as profitable as possible? There's obviously many different approaches a startup founder can take yep. when it comes to building their company. What did that look like for you guys? And, and why did you guys choose that path? Yeah. So I, th- I look at it three stages. The first stage is really, we need revenue to show that people actually want this. And it does not have to be scalable at all. It just we need revenue. We need to sh- it doesn't. It's usually very manual. I need to show that people want this. 
that kind of puts you to the next stage. Now you can show people, like some people want this and it helps you fundraise some cash from investors because people are like, okay, there's some traction here. The next stage of it is you will keep doing the manual stuff, but you have to start experimenting with scalable things, right? Because everyone's know like, can I press, can I, if I put 10 million, hundred million, whatever, if you put more money and I press go, can you scale and go faster? And so you have to start showing early evidence of this. Um, and then the third one is now you have to move everything to scalable. That's kind of where we're trying to move to right now. Uh, so just to summarize, first one's all unscalable. Next one is like 80% unscalable, 20% testing of scalable. And the third one is all scalable because you can't do manual things anymore. And those transition points are where you end up getting bigger valuations as well, more money. And the point for this is that for the scalable portion, people underestimate what they can actually do with the money. Someone gives you $20 million, it's actually very hard to spend it. When I say spend, I don't mean just give it away, but actually spend it effectively. We have a return on every single investor dollar. Yeah. And people always say, like, they, there's a famous thing called use of proceeds. What are you going to spend it on? And we used to say, like, oh, hire 20 people and you know, $15 million in marketing. And then when you actually go through and try to hire 20 good people, it's very hard. Yeah. Right? It's hard to hire one good person. And this is the part that we always underestimate. Like, the, you just put in these models of we're going to hire 17 people this month. Good luck. You know, you might have to do 30 interviews to find one good person. And they have to onboard them for three to six months. And so those things are critical to really understand, like, what are you going to use the money for? So it's not just sitting in the bank account doing nothing. Yeah. Does that I help think, clarify? Absolutely. I think those are, are, are things for any individual, right? Sometimes uh, entrepreneurship, especially for early stage entrepreneurs, is very romanticized. And it's, you know, it's going to be all... <laughs> yeah. You know, rainbows and uh, and roses, and it's 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 brutal, and it's a game of of stamina and grit and discipline, and like you said, right, just constantly feeling your way forward. With where you guys are at now, having a hundred million dollar valuation, most people would say, "What are you doing? Are you guys going to exit? Yeah. What is the vision for what you guys are building, and 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 why are you guys motivated to build that right now?" Yeah, so I mean, interesting. COVID was a Interesting perspective on this because, like, with COVID, things came out that you know a lot of people passed away. But the one of the biggest factors, there's two biggest factors, were uh, lack of vitamin D, and the second one was actually poor glucose control. Those mm-hmm. are literally two factors, and it exacerbated people's understanding of why health is so critical and why can't just wait. And for us as a company, you know, when you're early stage, you just kind of want to get some going. You want to prove like you're worth it. Yep. Um, and you almost have this perception of yourself, like if it doesn't work out, it's your own fault. Uh, but as you get bigger, you start realizing, hey, what are you the billing for, right? And as you start getting more comfortable with financial, you start saying, this is, you get the freedom. You know, as I said, I'm living in Brazil right now and I'm going to probably go to Italy afterwards and do whatever I like. You get the freedom, the financial freedom to do what you like in life. But more importantly, you get to actually say, what impact do I want to have in the world? And people often ask me like, Okay, if you try to build a $5 billion company, but if it, but it, you could fail on the way there, aren't you angry? And to me, I start looking at things very differently. I've now built the skills by building this company that I can always go get another job somewhere else. That pays mm-hmm. me more than I made before. So that financial freedom now exists. However, I now can pursue the passion of like helping as many people as possible in the world. And what's interesting, even if our company fails in our health and wellness industry, We've now motivated the old players to push forward, right? Because now all these big companies or multi-billionaire companies of these contracts that have not made any difference at all are now getting called from their, you know, their employees, 
and their subscribers saying, I want what Nutrisense has, right? And we've now had big, you know, we've had big corporations reach out to us. We've had insurance companies reach out to us. Hey, we want to build this thing with you guys. Um, and sometimes the irony is a lot of investors and our advisors say a lot of times they just come and learn from you and copy you, just steal and do the same thing. And they're like, oh my God, you got to be careful. Don't share all the knowledge. But the way I look at it, it's like, okay, let's say they steal and they jump ahead by 10 years. Still brings a value to the world. I mean, this is health. They now serve 100 million, 200 million people in the healthy possible way. So like, what's the big deal, you know? Um, and I think that mindset took me a while for me to develop because now I kind of started believing this idea of like positive energy and like almost karma in some way that, you know, if we're bringing positive things to the world, then it's not a big deal if we fail because we're pushing the world faster and forward. Yeah, I mean, it's it's totally rooted in abundance, which which I love. Um, and that's real legacy too, right? Is when you are ultimately leaving humanity much better because of something that you guys had a very big part in, uh, especially on the health front. What are your thoughts around exiting the company? Is there yeah. some certain number that you and your co-founder have, you know, uh, in the back yeah. of your heads? Or I'm because sure you we guys... Have, we have not. We have, it's funny. When we first started, we did. But then we have the Slack channel where everyday people give us reviews. And remember, people in our company, uh, our members range from type 2 diabetics to pre-diabetics to weight loss to Olympic athletes. And we have this channel where people leave reviews and we kind of send it to our company. And we have like hundreds of reviews every day. And someone will say, like, you changed my life. You know, or I set a record. I won a championship. And you get so inspired that you almost forget the financial metric. Mm. Right? And then other fear is that, let's say we exit this company, we get cash out a lot of money. What do we do next? Got to kind of start all over again, look for a new yeah. idea to build because you just get bored after a while, right? Yeah. And people always talk about when you retire, you just age like 20 years in a year. So me and my co-founder basically said, let's just keep building forever. And the goal for us really is, this is where investors hate us. I hope they don't listen to this podcast after this. <laughs> they're like, they're like, what's your exit? We're like, oh yeah, X amount of money. But in reality, it's help us like transform as many lives as possible from a health perspective and just keep going forever. That's actual our ambition. <laughs> they have more financial metrics they'd like to see, but you know, we'll see how that plays out. That's awesome, man. Well, we're talking about kind of the the financial side of things. Obviously, you know, business and, and startup and entrepreneurship has been your vehicle for for building yep. wealth, unlocking financial freedom. As you've done that, what do you like to invest your money in? Interesting. Uh, early stage startups, <laughs> right? You know. Uh, I actually, I, there's a bunch of these interesting uh, platforms that let you buy secondaries in the markets at like series B, C, D. Mm. And again, it's, and that's what's interesting. People don't realize it, but like by the time companies get to like series C, C and D, like the like of them going IPO are very high. You know, they're no longer the risky where it's like one out of a hundred succeeds. This is like, you know, like Sequoia's the world already put in a billion dollars. Yep. They're pretty much going to make it. And what's interesting, people don't realize that, but like, if you invest right before the IPO or a couple of years before the IPO, you can make a good return. And so they have these, I think one thing called microventures, example one, where you can just invest, I don't know, small amounts of money. Uh, depends relative, 10, 10K to a million if you want, right? Uh, and they sell you the equity before the company IPOs. And so I've invested in SpaceX and um, companies of that nature or things are doing biotechnology. Because again, like the likelihood of success is more like 60, 70%. You mm -hmm. will get a return. And it's things I'm super interested in. So you don't have to spend as much due diligence because someone else already did it for you. Yeah. Um, and you still get a return. So that's what I've been investing in. Dude, I love that. I haven't heard too many people talk about that. And I've I've done a handful of pre-IPO investments, like you said. Yeah. And 
I just, uh, you know, completed one in uh, Green Coffee Company and they're on their Series nice. C right now. And I did yep. Palantir before Palantir went public. And, yeah, 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 and, yeah. And, and, and all of those did really, really well. And obviously, like you said, right, it's it, you're not going to bat a thousand. But um, I love that being your one area of, you know, wealth building that you lean into that is obviously, you know, in a space that you have a lot of experience in and, and a lot and a it helps, passion right? for it helps if you know if you have more insider knowledge just because your background than anyone else it gives you an advantage right yeah um people always say like you have to do real estate i'm like yeah if you know real estate you should do real estate <laughs> but if you don't know good luck and so if you already have some knowledge and you understand it, you know whether it's direct consumer b2b like how to even read the financials to understand what they mean mm-hmm. that's critical that's an advantage you have over everyone else um and so that's what i've been investing in i found it pretty lucrative and i like it plus again feels good like I think SpaceX is a cool company, right? Yep. Um, and you talked about some 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 different platforms where, where for those that maybe want to learn a little bit more, what are some of those platforms? Yeah, there's a bunch that... of them. Like the one I've used called MicroVentures. Okay. Um, they have some small ones. You could do even up to like a minimum five thousand dollar check. So they do is let's say a company wants to sell some equity. Yep. Um, and then the MicroVentures or a company like it will say, okay, we'll take ten million dollar allocation, hundred million allocation, and they'll go back to the customers like us and they'll say, hey, you can put in minimum X. And they'll pool the money together, basically. Yep. And this way, you get into big deals, like the big players get a big deals, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't have opportunity. Yeah. I think I should work for MicroVentures for this, but yeah, right. Seriously. <laughs> so, yeah. as we wrap up, I want to talk a little bit about legacy and, and impact for you. Obviously, making a lot of money is great. You know, investing it wisely and growing it is fun. Um, what are you going to do with all your money when when all is said and done? I mean, so the three things I'm really passionate about. Uh, at least in the U.S. economy, is education. I think the education system completely broken. Makes no sense. Uh, the second one's fertility, and the third one's preventive health. Mm. Preventive health is I'm focused on now. Fertility, we see this now over and over. I read a study that said that by 2030, 45% of women are not going to have kids in U.S. You know, which is, you think about it, you know, like I think 30 years ago, it was something like 13%. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this is going to cause havocs down the line, both in act. I mean, first of all, it's just having children naturally. It makes things way more complicated to the health of the children. Uh, the third one, economically, because you need children to support the retirees, keep the economy going. So how do you fix this big problem? And I think that's something I, yeah, I think it's very impactful and I want to focus on. Um, but those are two areas left for me to... <laughs> Double down sounds, right. sounds like another startup in the in, in the works, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, that's the thing. As long as you're, it's. I don't know. I sometimes see some startups that I like just have another person like their picture or video, and I'm, it's cool. They make tons of money, but like do they actually care about what they're doing. Uh, I get excited on Sundays. People always, you know, people always say Sunday scaries. I'm stoked for Sundays because on Monday we have 170 people that could leverage and we get to accomplish more. Uh, back in the corporate days, every time, and I'm like, oh, Sunday work tomorrow. And that's changed. There's a switch that changed. Yeah. And I think when you have that ability to find something you're passionate about, it's lucky. I mean, I feel lucky every day. And that's what I just want to keep building. I mean, it's, it doesn't feel like work. You know, like I sometimes sit till two in the morning. I'm like, shit, it's two in the morning. I lost track of time. That's uh, great. You know, that, my that's, partner that's gets when you know me, you're but... doing something that you love and that you're, uh, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're mining in the right vein. Dan, it's been a pleasure connecting with you today, brother. I know a lot of people are going to want to check out NutriSense. They're going to want to check out what you guys got going on. They may want to engage or follow with your content or what you're up to. Where's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, uh, feel free to add me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to help. Uh, send me any questions you guys have about any topic. Um, as long as they're, if they're good questions, I'm happy to answer. And uh, 
I always mentor people too. Just no ask, just want to give back to the community. That's awesome. Dan, appreciate you coming on the show today. We will have all the links, resources in the show notes at millionermindcast.com on Dan's episode. Keep crushing it, brother. Appreciate it, man. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're also gonna get entered in to win a $100 gift card. Don't forget to share this episode out with somebody else that may need to hear it or may get some value from what was talked about in today's interview. And for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey, you want to unlock more financial freedom, you want to get more time back, or maybe you just want to level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to MillionaireMindcast.com and check out all the amazing products and resources that we have for our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, mastermind events, downloads and checklists, the Rich Life Planner for those of you looking to take your goal setting and productivity to the next level. We've got all kinds of great, valuable tools. So be sure to check those out at MillionaireMindcast.com. And last but not least, if you're not on my weekly text letter and you want to be the first to know of exclusive updates and offers in addition to behind the scenes access to a lot of the stuff that I'm doing that I'm investing in, be sure to join by texting the word notes to 844-447-1555. With that being said, thanks for listening today. Until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends. 